يقول الله سبحانه وتعالى والشمس وضحاها والقمر إذا تلاها والنهار إذا جلاها والليل إذا يغشاها والسماء وما بناها والأرض وما طحاها والنفس وما سواها فألهمها فجورها وتقواها قد أفلح من زكاها وقال الله سبحانه وتعالى يوم لا ينفع مال ولا بنون إلا من أتى الله بقلب سليم وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في حديث أبي عبد الله نعمان بن بشير رضي الله عنه ألا إن في الجسد مضغة إذا صلحت صلح الجسد كله وإذا فسدت فسد الجسد كله ألا وهي القلب Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in many verses in the Quran he makes oath meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he swears by something and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah has a right to swear by anything he wants to from his creation and the purpose of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making an oath or swearing by something is to stress on a point emphasize a point or show the importance of a thing so for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in assuring the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى That your Lord has not abandoned you nor has he forsaken you to assure the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of this point. How did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begin the surah? وَالدُّحَى Allah ta'ala said, I swear by the day وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى And I swear by the night when it follows it. Your Lord has not abandoned you, nor has he forsaken you. To show that mankind is in a state of loss, except for those who believe, do righteous actions, enjoin each other upon that which is good, and enjoin each other upon patience, Allah Ta'ala says, Mankind is in a state of loss. And two, Emphasize this point. Allah Ta'ala makes an oath in the beginning. Allah Ta'ala says what? Wal-asri. I swear by time. So we find many ayats like this in the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But the verses I read to you in the beginning, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala did not swear by one or two or three or four or five things from his creation to emphasize a point. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in seven ayat, he saw by seven of his creations. To show the importance of this point, Allah Ta'ala says, I swear by the sun and, the bright, and its brightness. I swear by the moon as it follows it. I swear by the day as it appears. And I swear by the night as it follows it. I swear by the heavens and the one who built it. And I swear by the earth and the one that laid it out. And I swear by the soul and the one that created it. So what point is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasizing here? Allah ta'ala says, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ Whoever purifies his soul is the successful one. 
And this shows the importance of purification of our hearts and our soul. That Allah Ta'ala saw by seven things. Because that which you're going to call to account your muqiyamah is based on the contents of our chest. As Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, on that day, wealth or children will not benefit. Except for the one who comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a heart which is pure. Do they not know when the graves will be scattered that day? And the contents of the chest should come out. This shows the importance of the heart. That's why the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "There's a piece of flesh in the body. If it's pure, the whole body is pure. If it is corrupt, the whole body is corrupt. And this piece of flesh is the what? The heart." And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when he said this in a hadith, it shows the importance of staying away from doubtful matter, doubtful ideologies, and doubtful people. What is the connection between this hadith of there's a piece of flesh in the body? If it's pure, the whole body is pure. If it's corrupt, the whole body is uh, corrupt. What is the connection with this and staying away from doubtful matter? Because the, what I've mentioned to you from the hadith is the last part of the hadith. How does the hadith begin? The Prophet wasallam said, In the beginning, إِنَّ الْحَلَالَ bayin. The halal is clear. وَإِنَّ الْحَرَامَ bayin. And that which is haram is very, very clear. وَبَيْنَهُمَا مُشْتَبِهَاتٍ and between the two are great and doubtful affairs. Many people do not know the ruling and the answers in these doubtful affairs. As for the one that stays away from doubtful matters, fears them. He protects his religion and he protects his honor. So part of protection of our heart is to stay away from doubtful matters. And the companions of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, the Sahaba, they made the utmost effort to stay away from doubtful matters. They looked for the guidance of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam in how to stay away from doubtful matters and fitna. So Hudayfa ibn Yamah radiallahu to show the eagerness and the yearning of the Sahaba in staying away from doubtful matters, he said, "Kunna inda Umar." Once was the Umar radiallahu and Umar radiallahu is said to them. أيكم سمع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يذكر الفتنة؟ Which one of you could relate to us a hadith in which the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم mentions fitna, the trials and tribulations that overcome this ummah? حذيف بيمان said فقال قوم سمعناه. The people, some people stood up and said we've heard. And Umar رضي الله عنه said maybe what you're talking about فتنة الرجل في أهله وجاره. Is the fitna, the trials and tribulation of a person in his wealth or his family and his neighbors? He said that for this kind of fitna to kafiruha sadaqa. You could overcome that fitna with prayers, fasting, and charity. He said the fitna I mean, the fitna that is so great that his waves are like the waves of the ocean. At that point, everybody kept quiet. Except for Hudayfa ibn Yaman. He's the only one that stood up. He said, I've heard of this fitna. He said, يقول, I heard and pay attention to this fitna, my brothers and sisters. I heard the Prophet وسلم, saying, That 
that fitting trials and tribulations will overcome the people and it will be presented to the hearts like a straw mat, a reed mat. And a straw mat is made of what? Of straws. The Prophet said, this fitting will come ooden, ooden, one straw at a time, one at a time. Whichever heart allows it to enter into it, it will have a black spot. Whichever heart rejects it, you have a white spot on the heart. Until there will be two kinds of hearts. A heart which is pure because he rejects the fitna, rejects the doubtful matters. Like that of a gemstone. It will never be affected by fitna as long as the heavens and the earth they endure. And a heart, a completely black heart, mirbad, dusty. A heart, the Prophet said, like a cup which is upside down. A cup which is upside down, no matter what you pour into it, there's no benefit. The Prophet said, It will no longer know that which is good. And it will never reject any evil, except for that which his heart soaks up from his desire. In this hadith of the Prophet, a number of benefits, especially in the time we're living in now. The first benefit from this hadith of the Prophet is the wajib or the wujub. And it's important for us to make ourselves understand the magnitude of certain words. When someone says something is wajib, it's obligatory. Leaving it off is a sin. This hadith, it shows the obligation of staying away from doubtful matters and doubtful ideologies. Obligatory upon all of us. Because fitna Trials and tribulations from the great of it is shubuhat, doubtful matters. Because doubtful matters or shubuhat comes from the Arabic word tishbi, similar to tishbi, which means resemblance and similarity. And they say shubuhat is called shubuhat li-ishtiba'ihi bil-haqqi. Because he bears some resemblance to the truth. It seems like it's true. He bears similarity to the truth. And that's why people fall into it. Because it is doubtful. It looks like the truth, but you know it is doubtful. So it's one of the greatest fitna. And that's why the scholars in the past, they used to advise their students. And these students they were advising were scholars in their own rights. Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, La a'lamu. I have no idea of a wasiyah, an advice, in to bihi, that I benefited from in repelling doubts that advice Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah azza wa jal. Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah azza wa said to Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah. And Ibn Qayyim was a scholar. Ibn Qayyim was relating to him foreign ideas, strange ideas he's heard of and doubtful matters. So he said to him, La taj'al qalbaka lil iradat wa shubuhat. Do not make your heart become for doubtful matters and strange affairs like a sponge that soaks it all up. But make your heart kazujaj musammata. Make your heart like that glass which is solid, that everything passes over it, but it doesn't go into it. A glass which is so clean that he sees the doubtful matter, but due to his strength, the doubtful matter does not enter into it. 
Otherwise, every single doubt will enter into your heart. If this is the advice of Ibn Qayyim Rahimullah or Ibn Taymiyyah to Ibn Qayyim, to a scholar, what about us, the layman? The layman, what about us? Should we engage in doubtful matters, doubtful ideologies in the name of a debate, in the name of discussion, or in the name I know my religion well enough, I'm immune from these doubtful matters, or listen to doubtful people? We shouldn't. Even if you know it's upon falsehood. Because the Dajjal, who the Prophet he described in intricate details to this Ummah. Are there people from this Ummah that follow the Dajjal? They are. And some of the people that follow the Dajjal, how would they follow the Dajjal? To go and debate with him. Even Britain before his, on his forehead is kafir. But yet they will follow him. Because they went to debate with him. So what many people do, listening to doubtful issues, doubtful ideologies, be on internet, all the social media, the scholars will stay away from this. So what about the layman? The second benefit from this hadith of the Prophet sallallahu is the obligation, the obligation to reject, refute any type of shubuhat, any type of doubts or strange ideologies. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi ankaraha, the heart that rejects it, any heart that rejects it will have a white mark upon it. It's obligatory to reject any strange and doubtful matters. Because we all know that from Iman, our faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to reject all evil. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man ra'a munkara, man ra'a minkum munkaran Whoever sees an evil from amongst you should change it with his hand. If you could not, then with his tongue. And if you could not, then with his heart. And that is the weakest of Iman. So evil we have to reject. So I ask you, my brothers and sisters, for somebody to innovate in the deen of Allah, is it an evil? No doubt. Because with that action is denying the saying of Allah deenakum. Today I've completed your religion for you. So why are you adding to the religion? Is it an evil? Yes, because the Prophet said, Whoever innovates in this religion of ours, that which is not for me is rejected. Is it an evil? Yes, because the Prophet said, Every bid'ah, no matter how much is beautified, is a dalala, is a misguidance. And every single misguidance is in a hellfire. So the Prophet ﷺ made it that from Iman reject evil. And bid'ah is an evil. So whoever sees the evil of bid'ah, let him change it with his hand. If he has the ability and the authority. And if you look at our salaf, our scholars, like Imam Malik rahimahullah azza wa jal. Once a person was in a masjid and he asked Imam Malik rahimahullah azza wa jal that, Ya Imam, we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is stawa. Allah is above his throne. But, how did he rise above his throne? Imam Malik ta'ala started to hit his head. From the magnitude of the question that was being asked, Imam Malik ta'ala, he started to sweat. And he said to this individual, The fact that Allah is above his throne is not something unknown. As for how? You could not comprehend it. And to ask about it is an innovation. I do not see you except to be a man on innovation. Imam Malik ta'ala, ordered for this man to be physically picked up and ejected out of the masjid. 
Because of Munkar. Whereas today, we may talk about the evil of alcohol consumption, zina, theft, other crimes, and people say we have to forbid it. But hardly from those who forbid these, forbid the evil of bid'ah. People think munkar is just these sins. They'll forbid these things, but bid'ah they'll not forbid it. Likewise, we have to reject it with our tongue. Speak against it. It's an obligation to reject it with your tongue. If you could not fit, and those who propagate and quote to this innovation of doubtful affairs. And this is the way of our forefathers. This is the way of the Prophet ﷺ, to speak against innovation and call it what it is. Bid'ah, bid'ah. A bid'ah, they call it a bid'ah. They won't give you any other name. Because unless we do so, it starts to seem fair seeming and okay. Like sins, adultery, fornication, to make it fair seeming, what they call it? Affair. Sodomy, they give it another name. And so on and so forth. Intoxications, they give you other names. Likewise, bid'ah, it becomes fair seeming when people change it. They say we're only doing this out of the love of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and not only beautiful with words, they beautify with beautiful decorations. Their bid'ah, not only they beautify with this beautiful decoration, they beautify with beautiful speech, and that's why the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Inna min al-bayan la Some speech are magic. Do not make your criteria to listen to any speaker. How eloquent the orator skills he's got. How he moved your heart and your heart fizzed. La. In the time of Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala, there was a man that people used to become Muslims or repent and go back to Allah. He had beautiful, eloquent speech. Once Imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala, he went to sit in the company of this man to listen to him. So eloquent and so touching was his speech, Imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala cried. But after hearing what he said from innovations, Imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala warned his students and the whole ummah. He said, لا تجالس حارث فإنه مبتدع. Don't ever sit with him. He's a mubtadi. Not like nowadays, people say, mention some of the good. At least he's doing some good. There's a difference between a mistake and a bid'ah. Everyone has mistakes. Myself and everybody. But a bid'ah is different. The one that says mention some good is like the one that talks about the murderer, the killer, the mass murderer. I say, you know what? He was an angel before. You know what? That man that kills and pillages, once a week he goes and gives out sweet in charity. Won't even mention it. So this in itself, this principle is a bid'ah. Because bid'ah is beautified to make it acceptable. And that's what Imam, Imam al-Najwi rahimahullah ta'ala says. Al-bid'atu mustaqbaha shara'an wa fitratan. Bid'ah is something all of us have. We hate. Within our fitrah, our natural inclination by the sharia of Allah azza wa jal. And that's why the people of Bid'a, what do they have to do to make you accept it? They beautify it for you. So don't go by beautiful speeches. Don't go by beautiful decoration. Let your criteria be, stay away from doubtful matter. The book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet so we know that rejection of bid'ah or any evil is from iman, but specifically bid'ah. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in a hadith, "Ma min ummati min min nabiyyin ba'athahu Allah fi ummatin min qabli." There's no prophet that Allah sent from any nation before me, illa ba'atha ma'ahu or illa ba'atha fi ummatihi hawariyun was ashab. 
except he sent with that prophet disciples and companions. And what did these companions and what did these disciples do? The Prophet sallallahu said, "Ya'khuduna bi sunnatihi." They held on to the sunnah of their prophets, as the Prophet sallallahu advised us. When he said, "Alaykum bi sunnati," hold on to my sunnah. Was sunnah khulafa al-Rashidin al-Mahdiyin and the khulafa al-Rashidin al-Mahdiyin. Abdu, bite on it with your molar teeth. Don't let it go. Every nation has somebody like this. Ya'khuduna bi amrihi. They follow his orders until they left and they left behind them people they say that which they do not do but worse than that what do they do they do that which nobody ordered to do the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said and this is bid'ah now whoever fights against them is a believer with his hands whoever fights against them with his tongue is a believer and whoever hates them in his heart is a believer so the very least is to hate it and the people that propagate it because bid'ah doesn't appear through wi-fi signals or in the air there's people that propagate it so the prophet anyone who doesn't at least hate it and them there's not in him a mustard seed of iman because if you have jealousy for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you should hate it. You should dislike it and those who propagate it. And one of the ways of rejecting or repelling shubuhat, my brothers, and I end with this important point. If you take this only away from the khutbah, please take it away. Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us here specifically in Qatar, in Doha, with a lot of ni'm, a lot of blessings from the dunya. And there's nothing wrong for us to enjoy the dunya, going out, the security, the peace, the wealth, and the affluence, nothing wrong with it. We make it haram to enjoy it. But we need to appreciate this blessing with what? With worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we're seeking knowledge. It's not excusable that the only time we learn our deen or hear anything, and our children and our wives, is khutbah to Jumu'ah. After that, nothing. After that, nothing. Where's our gratefulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We need to learn our religion. And when I say learn our religion, I don't mean go to conferences and talks only, which doesn't teach you the fundamentals. Learn the fundamentals of your religion. What are you going to be asked about? My Rabbu, who is your Lord? All of us say, Allah is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what is Allah? What is the ibadah of Allah? How are you making sure in that ibadah you've prayed, you've done hajj exactly or as much as the Prophet ﷺ did it? What do we know of fiqh? What do we know of tawheed? What do we know? These fundamental issues. It's important. Attend a circle, a class, not a lecture or an inspiring talk only. There's nothing wrong with it, but make sure you attend circles. And here the brothers have put a lot of effort into making circles, but hardly anybody turns up. Hardly anybody turns up because we have priorities. And what are these priorities? Imam al-Sheikh Zaid ibn Hadi. He said, لا يجوز لأحد أن يعتذر بالدنيا he said it's not permissible for anybody to use the excuse of his worldly affairs or because he's a layman or because he has such and such work and busy. He said, He has to put at the top of his priority not picnic on the weekend, 
not going to the park, the top of your priority in everything should be to understand the deen of Allah and to spread it. Because Allah says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا I did not create jinn of mankind except to worship me. And now you're going to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ala jahlin, upon ignorance. How would you know what is good and what is bad except by the sharia? And that's why they say, al-sharia or al-ma'roof ma'arafahu Allah wa aqarrahu. The ma'roof is that which Allah says is good and is attested to. While munkar, an evil, is that which Allah has rejected and he said is an evil. If you don't know, what will end up happening is, like he said in the hadith, that which is actually ma'roof from the sunnah, you reject it because you're jahil. And that which is munkar, an evil, you accept it. So my brothers and my sisters and our children, upon us is knowledge from the correct sources. Seek knowledge. Seek knowledge. And you have opportunity here. On my recent journey, going to Africa, what I saw and what I witnessed in poor, impoverished, destitute conditions. And there, due to the traffic, people start work at 4.30. They leave for 4.30 in the morning. They come back 9 in the evening. But yet you find amongst these people, it moved me. I went to places, I was speaking to some of the children in Arabic, thinking they know one or two words. They were speaking fluent Arabic. MashaAllah, like, how much Quran do you know? The girl was only nine years old. She said, Quran uh, I've memorized the whole Quran. I said, MashaAllah, I was impressed. I was getting excited. The older sister came to me and said, Don't be excited. Everyone here is a hafid. And in that situation, in the situation they're in, what is our excuse? With the comfort and the, what is our excuse for ourselves, our wives, and our children? Save yourself, save your family for the hellfire. Attend these classes, make it at the top of your priority, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect all of us, our family, from that which is apparent and that which is hidden. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show us the haqq, al haqq haqqan. Show us the truth as the truth. And give us the ability to follow it. And falsehood is falsehood and make us stay away from it. Inna Allah malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayu aladheena amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima.